Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and today's guest doesn't identify with labels. She's just Raya. So welcome, Raya. Hi, Noor. <laughs> Hi. How are you? I literally... I'm good. I was asking Raya, I was like, how do you want to be described? And like, literally, she was like, I don't identify with labels. And I was like, fuck yeah. That's your introduction. Doesn't identify with labels. I just always found it really difficult to identify with labels. I never fit in yeah. in, in anything specific socially. And like, in my like, job history, I also never like fell into a specific title. Um, so I've just kind of decided to stay away from labels because, you know, the bigger picture here is that humans are always trying to find a place they belong in and are very uncomfortable when they don't belong to something specific. hundred percent. Um, and I just, you know, have taken the time to become comfortable with this like unknown. Some, I just don't belong to something specific. I, I can do a lot of things. Have, a lot of labels yeah. can apply to me. I just don't identify yeah. with any label per se. Oh. I could definitely think of like 10 different like occupational labels to give you right off the bat because you do and have done so much, but I really think it's like kind of refreshing that you're like, you know what? Like, I just want to be described as like me, who I am, not what I do, not what I've done. And people really do like find comfort in their labels and their job sometimes really becomes their identity. Yeah. That's a very scary thing. Um, that with yeah. adulthood has become more and more daunting and in both ways, in the ways that, that I don't want my job or employment to identify who I am. And as well as like this fear of not knowing where to place myself. So again, it goes back to this kind of becoming comfortable with the unknown. I feel the same way. And I've noticed that I do this thing. My friend actually pointed it out to me the other day because I do a lot of different things. But when people ask me what I do, there is only one like label, I guess, that I feel comfortable sharing, which is that I'm a counselor. And I feel like I don't tell people about the creative things that I do because I feel like it sounds like a little douchey sometimes. And like, that's something that I need to get over. Like clearly, like I didn't notice that I did it, but my friend was like, you never introduce yourself like by any of like, when people say, what do you do? Like you never mention anything else that you do. And I was like, I, that's just something I feel comfortable with. Cause I don't need to explain it. Like, that's another thing. It's like the stress of having to explain what your job entails when you don't have like an, like a job that's like a, you know, like a, a stereotypical yeah, like job a cookie kind of cutter position. Yeah. yeah. Like it's harder to explain. And it, I'm exhausted just thinking about trying to explain it to someone. And so like, I just don't even mention it at all. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Like when people, when people ask me what I do, I always start by saying that like my nine to five is blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. Um, yeah. and this blah, blah, blah is that I work at a contemporary art gallery in Dubai, but we have a yeah. very international program, but I always kind of, I'm always excited if somebody's interested and I see that they're interested, I always, I'm mm -hmm. so excited to take it upon myself to kind of explain what I do. Um, yeah. it feels like it's my little, like my little conversations of change in the world because what I do is so artistically inclined, but yet it's yeah. an industry so people can relate to it and I can kind of compare it to the industry that they're in. And it just feels like I'm build slowly, but surely building this like general awareness about the art industry and, and collecting in general, collecting art, which is something that I hope to like instill in a lot of young Arabs our age. I mean, I, 
was talking to Maria about you. And she was telling me, she was like, Raya's like a real art person, like a real art person. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, she's a real art person. Not like some fucking fake art hoe. Like she's a real art person. And I do think that it's really interesting because I don't, there are definitely a lot of Arabs in the space now. And I think that it's becoming something that's it's booming right yeah. now. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, and I'm constantly discovering more Arabs who are in the art, you know, area, but I, I don't really interact with them. I'll be honest. Like I follow them on social media, but like, I would love to kind of know, like, what do you kind of do? Like, what, like, I mean, you said you were like a, cu- a curator, no, maybe. So I don't know. I might be making that up. Part of what I do. Okay. So okay. first of all, I fucking love Maria. Maria. I love you so much. <laughs> We love you, Maria. Um, a real art person. I just, I can imagine her saying that. She's just a yeah. real human being. I love this girl so much and I appreciate her Honestly, in my life infinitely. Like she's, she's one of my favorite people. And like, while we were having this conversation, cause I told her, I was like, I'm going to have Raya on the podcast. She was like, Oh my fucking God, that's so exciting. And while we were in the middle of having this conversation, this guy tried to fight me like while I was in my car on the street and she was there for the whole thing. And she was just like, yeah, fuck that. Like, like even her being on the phone with me from like miles and miles away, she's still like, yeah, like fuck that guy, like drive away. You should call the cops yeah. on him. Like we were, yeah. Like, <laughs> like she's like a real ass friend. Yeah, like she amazing. really, really is like, she's, she's been there for me like at some of the worst times in my life and like the best times. And like that to me is a barometer of like what a good friend is, is they're literally there for you when you don't even ask for them to be there. And you're going through like a really shitty yeah. time. She's just like, I'm here. What do you it's need? Insane. From me? It's like, insane. It's insane. Yeah. Um, she's yeah. an amazing person. Honestly, like my life changed a lot since I met Nadia and Maria who have now become very important and pivotal people in my life. Um, yeah. and it was actually my first, uh, insight into Arab Americans, like up close and personal, you know? Um, yeah. So it was, it's an amazing introduction to what this world is. And oh, I can't think of any better people. By the way, for those who may not know, Maria is Maria Aliyah, who she's been on the podcast before. And then Nadia Azmi, who fucking needs to be on the podcast, Nadia. You're probably not listening, but God damn it. I need to get this girl on the podcast. But they are really, I think, a really great representation of. Arab Americans, like truly. And I'm not just saying that because they're my friends. Like if I didn't know them, that's still how I would feel. Yeah, they're incredible, incredible people. Um, and you, we need to get Nadia on, on here. Yeah. I'm going to send her this podcast and be like, you better listen to this, Miss Milkina, because <laughs> you just need to. <laughs> we we were supposed to one time. It was really funny. I was in, it was in New York and we had scheduled a time to record a podcast. And of course, fucking Nadia. I hope she's listening to us because it was hilarious. I Maria and I were leaving to Amsterdam that night and we told her what time we were leaving. And in her mind, she thought like, that meant like, not, that wasn't the time of the flight. That was what time we were like leaving to go to the flight. And so she like shows up and we're literally like leaving. Like we have our suitcases, we're packing. We're like, we, our Uber (laughs) is on the way. She's like, all right, I'm here. Let's record. And I'm like, what are you doing here? You freak. Like we are leaving. Goodbye. Um, and she was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. But, um, yeah, it was just like the most hilarious thing. I love Nadia so much. Anyone else that would piss me off. Nadia, I was like, you're adorable. I love you so much. This human being. She is literally an angel. Yeah. Um, Yeah. She's a that person. Yeah. So to bring this ramp back to what I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, um, 
eight months ago, I left New York City after being there for 10 years and I moved to Dubai to take this job. And what I do is kind of a little bit of everything from curation to artist liaising um, to sales, which means that I try to enrich my collectors with knowledge of the artists that we have on our program. And I Mm -hmm. attempt to place works that are appropriate for their collections. Um, And I also do a lot of like design work and marketing work and kind of creating packages that highlight artist's practice. So that's mostly what I do internally, like at my job. I also have taken lead on all like international art fair applications as well. Of course, this is all done with the guidance of my director, who is the actual reason Mm -hmm. why I picked up and left New York and moved to Dubai just to work underneath her because she, she's a, she's a woman that's really made it in the art world on her own, I'd say. And she's really, uh, been, That's amazing. Yeah, she's really been constant and she's really been pushing it forward for the last 10 years. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I do in my nine to five. And that's what I, that's what I just dis- take time to describe to people. And I try to explain what collecting means. I always try to bring in this concept of what collecting art should mean, um, mm-hmm. in hopes that I would spark some intrigue and then they'd go off on their owns and kind of take the time to enrich their own minds with what art is, because I truly believe that art is one of the most important products that man creates. And it's actually one of the most important documentations we create as well. So that's, that's yeah. just in a nutshell, what I, uh, you know, sometimes rant about for 40 minutes straight. (laughs) (laughs) I will say though, I've never heard anyone describe their job so eloquently. I'm not even just saying that to like hype you up right now. Like that was a very concise, but like, I, I know what you do now. Like I genuinely feel like, yeah, I know what Raya does. Like I have a very good idea of what you do. And it sounds like you have a lot of hats just in that one job because you're you're really doing so much, but I want to like, know, like, when did you realize that you loved art? Like, how did you get into it? Was it something that was in your environment? Like, I want to kind of know about like the beginning stages. Okay. So art, I was always around art all my life. My grandmother is Mm -hmm. an incredible, incredible knitter and crocheter and pattern maker. And she just would whip up clothes like they're just, you know, I don't know. Like just, just like a, chopping yeah, up bananas, like cookies, you know, like, like yeah. it was just yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, natural yeah. to her. Um, both my aunt and my mother also, so that would be their mom. And they're also extremely mm-hmm. artistically inclined. My aunt is one of like the leading food packaging designers in the world. And my mother, wow. yeah. And my mother um, was an artist herself, still is, still practices just privately. Um, she was an art teacher for a very long time as well, like in her early adulthood. And uh, then she proceeded to like taking her dream on and making it reality. She opened a very small gallery in Jordan called Wadi Finan and, um, Mm -hmm. it's grown exponentially and it's now like a regional staple. Um, and we do have Yeah, we do have some bases internationally as well. So it's been really amazing. I was always around art from a very young age. I would see my mom paint and I would paint next to her. Um, That is the most precious thing I've ever heard in my life. Like truly. It's always been around and it's always been encouraged by my family. Like 
it was always supported. Um, and then when I was applying to college, I took some advice that maybe I shouldn't have taken, but I decided to apply for a design slash artistic degree that would guarantee employment after graduation, which Mm -hmm. is a smart way of thinking of things. But sometimes I do think back and and wonder what it would have been if I had decided to study studio art rather than fashion. Fashion is what I ended up studying in college. Um, And you went to Pratt, right? I went to Pratt in New York. So like at 18, my mother and I drive through New York and, you know, I had never been to New York before. I had this insane dream of what New York would be. I will never forget this. We were in the cab in a yellow cab with a hatchback, you know, one of those like larger ones. Oh my God. Yeah. Coming from JFK. And we had booked online, like that was 2009. Okay. Like things were not as advanced as today. There was no Uber. There was nothing like there were like some Lincoln cars that you would call. And like, (laughs) that was about it. And we had booked this dodgy hotel, quote unquote, close to the university that I was going to close to Pratt. And we did not know where the hell we were going. So this cab driver is driving deeper and deeper into Brooklyn and he's looking back at us and my eyes are filling up with water as I drive through dirty New York in the end of August yeah. for the first time ever, feeling like all my expectations and dreams were just crushed and crumbled. Trash was everywhere. I mean, it was so humid. Yeah. And I was just like, what is this? And yeah. we drive. I mean, that's kind of the worst time to be there. End of August, like, holy shit. It's just sticky and gross and the trash smells like a thousand times worse. It was crazy. And I remember trying to hide my tears from my mom as the cab driver turns his head back and he's like, I don't think you guys should stay here tonight. <laughs> and he drops us off. We that's walk in. The reception has like a bulletproof screen. And my mother's like, oh okay, we definitely tried to be too cheap. We definitely messed up this like booking Let's put our stuff in a car and drive around and try to find a better like accommodation. And so we did that. (laughs) We had to find another place to stay because we were definitely in like East New York. Yeah, you were going to yeah. die, basically. We were going to die. Like, yeah. we tried yeah. to get yeah. go into yeah. that room, and there was, like, a needle thrown in the hallway. It smelled like oh, marijuana no. everywhere. It was ridiculous. So that was my first memory of New York. But then, <laughs> you know, after that first day, um, New York is literally where I grew to become, like, what I am today. Like, I honestly feel like I have had two lifetimes. One of them was my childhood that was in the Middle East, and the other one was... Mm-hmm. independent in New York at a crazy art school in the middle of Brooklyn. And it was the best thing. I, it was the best. <laughs> it was the best. I have to ask though. So you were, you were born and raised in, in Amman and Jordan, yes. right? So going from being in that environment to being 18 years old and living in Brooklyn alone, like how, how, what, were you terrified? I was really not terrified. The only terrifying thing was like realizing how high of expectations I had visually. I'm a very, very visual person. Visually, Mm -hmm. New York didn't meet what I expected to see, but then I realized it's like the nuances of New York and not this like first take. And and I I love New York more than anything on this earth. I always say New York is my one and only lover forever. Like that is my city. Um, Though I have grown to love Paris maybe just as much. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, 
like, don't get me wrong. I love New York like so much. Anytime, no matter how many times I go, I'm excited. Like every single time I go, I'm still excited. I still feel like just walking around in the streets. It's unlike anything else, but I feel like it is an intimidating city to live in. Even for me now, like as an adult woman, I've kind of dabbled with the idea of moving there and it's a little intimidating. It's a little scary. It's, it's very like, you have to, you have to really fucking hustle. You really have to work hard regardless. You really have to hustle. You have to make do with what you got. But the thing is you can make do with what you got in New York. That's the thing. That's why it's so unique. But I think that might be the case in like most major cosmopolitan cities is kind of, you can choose the kind of dynamic you want to have to your life. Um, New York, it's an intimidating place. And I always said that if I didn't leave it before I was 30, I would be stuck there forever. And nothing scares me more Mm -hmm. than like, you know, Manhattan bound folk. Do you know, have you ever met any of those people that they like literally don't leave Manhattan? Yeah, um, it's weird. Vortex, it's kind of New weird. New York is a vortex yeah. of energy that just like is invigorating but draining simultaneously, and like it's just an incredible place. It's an inc- it's a magical place. It really is, and and you you ended up living there for how many years? <laughs> so like ten years in total. But I for between twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen, I went back to Jordan for five months. Yeah. Okay. And so like, yeah, essentially like, you know, a decade in New York, which I feel like is such an amazing place to grow because those years of your life, like right out of high school and like your early twenties and like, that's when you start kind of figuring out who you are. Like, you know what I mean? And really kind of establishing who you are basically as a person. And I think that, you know, I can definitely tell like, you know, this is the first time we're really having a real conversation, but like. I, you seem like the type of person who really knows who they are. And I mean, maybe like, that's just the kind of what I get when I look at you is like, this person knows who the fuck they are. You know, Nuid, that's such a difficult statement to make because at the end of the day, some days you know who you are and some days you don't. There is no true consistency in any human life. Um, That's very true. uh, Do I know what I want? Do I know what I like? Do I know what I'd like to discover more of and look more into? Mm -hmm. I think my answer would be yes here. Um, Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it'll change with time or like they'll increase as well. Like what I like things, you know, it's exponential. The world is so vast and so accessible now that, yeah, I feel comfortable with with who I am today. Mm -hmm. But do I know what I am specifically? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely like... You're so right about that because I feel like as humans, we're just constantly evolving and they're probably like, I feel pretty confident and comfortable with who I am, but there are definitely times where something can kind of shake things up a little bit and it does make you like take a step back and like reevaluate and then take some time to get back to that feeling. So it is constantly changing. Yeah. And I, I feel like if you just make the statement, like I know who I am and that's it. I feel like that you're yeah. potentially might be closing some doors for experiences that might change who you are. That's very um, true. And 
God forbid I don't have excitement in my life. You know, everything just like <laughs> falls to shit if my life isn't exciting. Um, I love doing nothing. Honestly, <laughs> I love do, I love li- nothing more than like fucking sitting on my couch with my cats, not even watching TV, just sitting on just my couch. Being. That's what I want to do. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, just literally being and like maybe listen to music for a few minutes, maybe turn it off, maybe read a book, maybe like I just like to sit and do whatever the fuck I like that brings me more joy than any exciting like going to parties and events or whatever. I don't care. Like I would much rather sit on my couch any day of the week. Um, that's so interesting this okay so this brings me back to a conversation i've had with nadia before that i feel like it might interest you so i'm just gonna go ahead and share it nadia was sitting on my couch as i like was packing my bag to go to paris for the second time this year and i had decided that nadia was gonna pick what i was packing and we were talking about my life and the events that (laughs) i've gone through this year and i was just like i looked at her and i was like Nadia, like, do you think that my life is as dramatic as I think it is? Or like, is it actually that dramatic? Or is my perception Mm -hmm. to life dramatized just because I like to live so like, viciously, I guess, you know? Yeah. And so like, even the simplest act of like doing nothing and just sitting on the couch to me feels so dramatic because I won't just be like passive. Like my mind will wander into the most ridiculous scenarios. So I was just wondering, like, does that (laughs) happen to you? Do you feel like you'll just like enter this realm of like non-reality where you have the most ridiculous time in your head or do you just like yes no yes and also that that the question that you asked Nadia I've asked multiple people this before because I genuinely am like is this just my perception of what's happening or is everything as dramatic as I think it is like I literally need to like check with people because I'm like this is fucking ridiculous but no I mean my mind definitely wanders and I I do have to say, I would say a portion of it is due to anxiety. That's the conclusion that I've come to. Like a little portion of it really is kind of amplifies that dramatization and like just these fucking weird thoughts that appear in my mind is a little bit of anxiety. But honestly, I don't mind it. Like I really don't because I feel like it makes, it forces me kind of to think about things that I wouldn't normally think about. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like it forces me to to really think about the harder things that do kind of make me feel a little anxious. But like if I take the time to like explore them, it's less it makes me feel less anxious is, about it. You is know what it I mean? Always negative thoughts that your mind wanders into? No, okay. not always negative, but like that's what I'm saying. Like it it can even be something positive and I'll still feel anxious. You know what I mean? Like, that's just kind of like my demeanor. There's always like a little bit of like underlying anxiousness, but like, I think it's something that I feel inside. It doesn't really show so much externally. I have a question for you, Nud. Uh, oh my God. I love that you're, you're the host now. <laughs> what is anxiety? <laughs> like the tables have turned. What is anxiety? I, first of all, I kind of think everyone has anxiety to some okay. degree. Like, I think it's, it's, I think it's a human emotion and I think that it's something that you're going to feel or have felt at some point in your life. Can you explain the feeling for for me? Well, I feel like it's, it's difficult to explain because I feel like anxiety comes to me in so many different 
ways. Like, cause there's that positive anxiety. There's a negative anxiety. There's that fear-based anxiety. Like uh, the simplest one that I can think of describing is I developed flight anxiety over the last couple of years. And the way I like to figure things out, like when I have a feeling, I really like to sit there and dissect it and understand why the fuck do I feel this way? And I've come to the conclusion that the reason I developed this flight anxiety is because as I got older, mortality became much more apparent to me. And so it made me kind of a little more afraid of dying. Um, And so being in an airplane is a situation where like I feel out of control because, you know, anything could happen. This is, again, I'm not trying to freak anyone out, but that's just how I feel. And I'm like, anything can happen. But no, like, that's how I feel. And I, I, I also am kind of a controlling person. And it's a situation where I'm not in control. And so it scares me a little bit. And the feeling... Of ang- the, like it's not like I step on the plane and I have anxiety. No, no, no. I book a flight. I have anxiety as I'm booking the flight and leading up to it. I have anxiety. Like every minute up leading up to that flight, I am afraid. And so that's just one example of like a feeling of anxiety I have. But I also like, I don't know, like if I, if I want to do something kind for someone, that can sometimes give me anxiety. It's very strange. Do you think, like, do you think anxiety is a word we now place on change or unsurety? Is that even a word? Like being not sure? <laughs> I, I think it might be uncertainty, but unsurety sounds way, way, sounds way more fun. Not going to lie. I might start incorporating it into my daily day to day and just be like, oh, yeah. yeah. Surely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just make your word. You don't, you don't make your own words. That's weird. Um, but yeah, like I, I do think that uncertainty definitely plays like a huge fucking role in a lot of the anxiety that I experienced. I do think also that anxiety is something that is thrown around much more now. But as much as it makes me want to roll my eyes, because that's always kind of my initial response to anything that's too like mainstream because deep down inside, I'm still an annoying angsty punk rock kid. And I'm like, Oh, this is so fucking mainstream, like lame. But I do think that the reason why anxiety has become spoken about more is because mental health is becoming it's people are speaking about coming into the light. Yeah. So it's coming into the light. And I think, a lot of people are, you know, they're like, oh, I'm severely like, like I have severe anxiety, but like people who have severe anxiety, like it's hard for them to function every day. So like, that's the type of shit where I'm like, yo, stop self-diagnosing yourself. You don't, you don't have yeah. that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and ever, and like I said, I truly believe that everyone does experience some level of anxiety. I just think it's all, it's just different based on person to person. So, and like also different people have better coping mechanisms. I think there's a lot more to it, but I don't know. I, I also think that the world that we live in is such an interesting place now. And like, I've always kind of had the internet around for most of my life, but with, you know, emails, all that, like you're, you're always on your phone. And I, I hate to sound like my fucking mom right now, but I do think that my phone does also contribute to that feeling of anxiousness. Yeah. I completely agree. Actually, two days ago, I took, um, this oath with myself that I would limit my phone use to specific times in the day because I started noticing that I was checking my phone on average, literally every 10 minutes at most. Mm -hmm. 
I believe it. I, since my huge life change, I, I kind of like brushed up on that with you personally. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. From like the end of April till now, a lot of things have changed in my life. And I felt like I gained a lot of time back and I realized how much time I actually do have now that I have like a system mm-hmm. and organization and somewhat of a routine and structure. And I started finding that my phone was literally infringing on this time that was so valuable. And I decided that I was going to check it half an hour after I wake up, not wake up and look at the screen and then check it at lunch, check it on my way back from work, then a couple of hours later, and then leave it for two hours before going to sleep. And so I've only done this for the last two days, but I feel so much more relaxed now that I have that yeah, I, I, I allocated times where I can I access my phone because I started feeling like I was so bombarded with goddamn WhatsApp mm-hmm. like if you're Arab you yep. know WhatsApp and WhatsApp yeah. is literally oh, yeah. a thousand times worse than Instagram in my humble opinion WhatsApp is the worst thing in the entire oh, world God. I've deleted it so many times in my life because it just makes me want to bash my head into a wall it, like really it's just truly. too much it's just too much yeah um but yeah, anxiety. That's why. So I was asking you about anxiety because, again, prior to like shifting my life, um, I experienced a lot of anxiety, like almost mm-hmm. crippling, like a lot of obsessive thought, a lot of fear, yeah. um, and this fear would like halt me from doing things that I actually wanted to do, and I just found myself mm-hmm. kind of just being passive and passing time instead of taking charge of my time. And um, now that I've like fixed my food and kind of like tried, not tried, but actually succeeded at managing my time better. I feel like my anxiety has really fallen off and I stopped using Mm -hmm. the word anxiety. Like I, I just decided that I'm not going to deem myself anxious or, or try to find alternative words to express the emotions that I was feeling when it was around Mm -hmm. uncertainty or fear, uh, fear of failure or, things like that. And I just, yeah, I just kind of like urge the women around me to kind of question their use of the word anxiety. That's, that's kind of like what I'm trying to get at. No, it's no. And I think that you are very right about that. I think that it is used very like loosely. And a lot of times you're right. When someone says I'm anxious, what they really mean is like, I'm afraid, you know what I mean? Or like something like that. But it's interesting that you mentioned that ever since you became kind of like you developed more of a routine for yourself, that that's really helped you out because anyone who knows me in real life knows I'm a very scheduled person. I have a million reminders on my phone. I have lists both on my phone and I keep a notebook where I also make lists. I, I need structure. That's something that like I personally, I need in order for me to feel good and to feel productive. And I feel good being productive. You know what I mean? So I kind of like thrive off of like organization. And that's why, like, for example, like I mentioned before, like I get anxious before flying. Like my heart starts palpitating. Like I start freaking out. I've started developing a routine for myself. That was kind of my 
I was like, I'm going to try to take matters into my own hands and be proactive about this and figure out a way to manage this feeling. And so I, I like have like a whole full like routine of like what I do before I fly. Like it's hilarious. Like people see it and they're like, what are you like? I'm so specific about everything. And the problem with that, that I've noticed though, is if something goes wrong, it really throws me off, which that's something that I feel like I need to work on because life happens. Things always don't don't go as planned, but I really, really do struggle with that because I'm already trying so hard to manage that emotion that like any little thing will set me off. You know what I mean? Cause like I'm already on edge. Um, I feel like I sound like a meth addict. I'm so on edge, but like, it's true though. Like I have to kind of also, as much as I want to plan and make lists and check things off, I also feel like I need to start really telling myself, nor you got to you got to be able to deal with it if something changes. You know what I mean? Like maybe you should start trying to put in your list like like deviations to the plan or like allow for Ooh. like allow for mistakes because okay, so it seems like we have very similar personality types of kind of like very controlling um Really yeah. like to be very passionate, yeah, really passionate, <laughs> really like to yeah. be on top of things. Um, and yeah. I was talking to my life coach and I was like, you told me to make a structure and I made a structure and now there's like a speed bump in the road of this structure mm-hmm. and I don't know what to do. And she was like, well, you either just go over it or you go around it because you're going to keep moving with time. So there's no need to stress about it. You kind of just have to be malleable. She was like, try to not over schedule. Yeah. Um, try to be logical with your time and try to give time for mistakes or deviations. And and that really helped me a lot, but I still feel um, panicked or like uncomfortable when deviations that I really didn't plan for or really wanted to yeah. avoid kind of appear, but it yeah. is what it is. And, and the thing is, is when those deviations happen, the, the what I do is I get angry. That is my immediate response. It's like pure anger, like literally terrifying. Nor is a monster now kind of anger, and like I just don't want to talk to anyone because it's not safe to talk. To. Like genuinely, it's like I I don't think I have like anger issues, but in those scenarios, it doesn't happen very often. I get fucking like pissed. Like it's not okay. Like it's actually like, that's something else that like I'm working. And I think that as a human, I'm constantly, I think everyone is always working on themselves, but that's something that I've really tried to manage because again, like we, we were speaking about before this, uh, Arabs are very passionate people. So I feel like I'm innately a passionate person. Every emotion, I feel it so deeply and so intensely. Like when I love someone, I don't just say like, Oh my God, love you. No, I fucking love that person. Like I genuinely, I mean it. And so when I'm angry, I'm like really letting myself feel that anger, which I feel like in some ways is healthy because you need to release anger. I think it's healthy in moderation to release anger, just like it's healthy to release sadness or whatever. But, you know, it shouldn't be to the point where I'm like, I can't talk to people because I will say something horrible to them because I'm just like completely in a different mindset. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's very interesting though, that Arabs, I've, I've yet to meet an Arab who isn't super passionate like just in all aspects. Really? I feel like I've definitely met some like quote unquote chill, something I have never been in my life. Arabs, you know? <laughs> like Nadia's a chill Arab, for example. 
Nadia is a chill Arab and I don't want to like, like, you know, put her business out there, but I've seen her, you know, feeling non-chill yeah, feelings I mean, we're before. Emotional. Yeah. We're definitely emotional yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen her. Yeah. I, I feel like I, here's the thing about me. People who know me really well know what an intense person mm-hmm. I am. Like they, when you spend time around me, it's hard to not notice it. But like, I feel like people who don't know me very well would think that I was chill, which is hilarious to me. Like truly hilarious. So like, oh my God, like the word malleable, someone used that to describe me once. And I've never laughed more in my life. Cause I was like, excuse me, what you think I'm fucking malleable? Like clearly you don't know who I am. Like I am not a flexible person. I am like, I mean, I guess there are certain scenarios, but like I've already mentally prepared myself to be manual, uh, to be malleable. Like I feel like that's, that, yeah, that's not a normal thing. Like people who are chill are just chill. They don't like, prepare to be chill like okay now it's the chill time so i'm gonna allocate this hour to this hour for being chill and going with the flow like that's like the least chill thing that anyone can ever do but like you know if i'm if i'm on vacation or traveling i like to get what i want to get done in the morning so that i can be quote unquote chill for the rest of the day oh my god traveling traveling is the most traveling with friends stresses me out more than anything on the face <laughs> of this planet because uh, so now I don't drink and I like eat super healthy. So I have a lot of energy and like, yeah, when I travel, I cannot be tied to somebody's messy schedule. Like that is just not an option. So now when people want to travel with me, I'm so clear that I expect yeah. no participation in the planning. And I expect, <laughs> I expect <laughs> adherence to the plan and yeah. and like if they want to join they're welcome to if not maybe i'm not the travel partner they were looking for i mean for. yeah you're not a dictator like this is you know you're like hey if you want to be a part of this you can but if not get the fuck out of the way like this is what we're doing like, man i um, just can't i'm like i'm obsessed with art so i go to art galleries all the time and i'm equally yeah. obsessed with shopping so i might not be buying things but you know I will be out there looking at every stitch yes. on the garment of my favorite brand because, you know, I'm in the city where it's produced. Like, this is just what I'm doing. Like, and, and yeah. you know, not everyone enjoys these things. Um, I don't party anymore. I wake up at like 6, 7 a.m. And so, like, I used to party. Thanks, New York. Yeah. But, Thanks, yeah, New York. Like, that's, that's <laughs> like, not, not a part of my life anymore. So and now I've... <laughs> I've learned how to say no. I've learned how to express myself in a clear way as to um, avoid disappointing people and avoid hurting them and avoid also myself. Like I'm really, I'm sure you're equally as hard on yourself as I am because you sound like you have a very, like a very similar dynamic of personality. And like, I've just like understood how to avoid disappointment in myself and others by just being so Mm -hmm. like, clear setting expectations yeah, just yes. being clear like screw expectations i always have high expectations yeah. that's never gonna change yeah, yeah. everyone yeah. tells me to set the bar like lower and it's just like not gonna happen for me it's not something i'm interested in like developing this like lower bar I, oh my God. First of all, I just, I'm sorry to cut you off. I have to say, number one, why the fuck are you me? Number two, like, I really like, I, like you are speaking to my soul right now. People love to try to tell you, maybe your expectations are so high. Maybe if you lowered your expectations, no, maybe, maybe if I don't lower my expectations, people will eventually get it together. And if they don't, 
I don't care. I'm going to just keep having my expectations. And if that's just the way it fucking goes. You know, Nude, I've realized that I'm the only one that can attempt to meet my own expectations. And that's why, like, I'm the queen of self-care. I plan these, mm-hmm. like, alone trips everywhere. I have the best time, the craziest experiences. And I see all that I want to see. And, and it doesn't matter. You don't have to lower the bar. You don't have to lower the bar. Full stop. I I a hundred percent agree with that. And also like, I, I love myself a lot. I'm, I'm annoying about it. And like, I agree, like, because I don't really disappoint myself. I really, I really, but I also like, I feel like self care to me is important and not in the fucking eye rolly kind of way, but also sometimes in the eye rolly kind of way. Like that's, I allow myself. You need to spoil yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I have under eye masks on right now. Like when I said, Oh, give me five minutes. It's because I went to my fridge and I took out my under eye patches and I put them on because I was like, you know what? Why, why can't I also do this for my, like, I, I like to find ways to multitask self-care with also doing other things. That's my fucking I mean, favorite absolutely. thing to do. Did you see how dressed up I got just to get on a voice recording with yes. you? <laughs> Like, like literally this girl put on the cutest fucking outfit to record a podcast where no one can see her. But also, I don't know if you feel this way, but I'm the type of person my, my entire life, if I have something that I need to do, like if I had an exam when I was in college or something, I would always dress really nice because I always felt better when I felt really pulled together and I was wearing something dope and I just felt great. Like I feel good when I look nice. And sometimes I let myself look like a meth addict, but like other times... I really, I just really like to look nice. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but like, I really feel like it does affect my mood in a lot of ways. Oh my God. I think my mood is set by what I have on. Mm-hmm. Um, there is yeah. nothing in my life that is as important to me as the closet that I am building. It is literally an extension of my ugh, eye roll personal expression (laughs) but also like it's just like where I dream in reality um I dress up for myself first and foremost people always ask me why I'm overdressed or why I look a certain way and my answer is always for my goddamn self like that's why I um have taken years to build my closet I take such good care of my things and every time I open my closet I go back to being like the four-year-old self that was like walking around with my mother's heels like there is nothing better than looking the way you want to look and feeling great in it there's there's nothing it's basically Yeah. yeah it's basically like I don't know what to like compare it to I that's the thing. Like I have trouble explaining it as well, but like I, everything that you're saying, like that's, it really resonates with me because for me, fashion is again, I roll yeah. away from expressing myself <laughs> and people do tell me all the time, like, Nora, why are you so dressed up? Or, Oh, Nora's of course she's going to be dressed up. And I'm like, I, like, why do you think I'm so, like, and that's the other thing, like what society has deemed to be dressed up is like very low. Like it's very low. Like, I can be wearing, yeah. Like I, I put on a skirt or a dress and suddenly everyone's like, you're so dressed up. I'm like, would you feel better if I was wearing jeans? Would that make you feel better about yourself? Like clearly that's oh what's God. going on here. It's like, 
because I look dope, you're mad about it. And you're like, oh, why are you so dressed up? Well, I'm wearing like, I don't know. And that's the thing. I can feel great in a pair of leggings and sandals. I can feel equally as dressed up in those things. I think it's just about how you put those things together. And like how you, yeah, yeah, like how the fabric feels and how it falls. Like it's, it doesn't matter. It really like... I'm, I'm still trying to find something to explain to people what it feels like every time I dress up, it feels like I just opened a brand new Barbie that I got for Christmas. Like that's literally, oh God, what it, you know, Barbie. like who doesn't love a fresh Barbie? I, I mean, honestly, the only thing I love more than a fresh Barbie is those Barbies that have the real eyelashes. Oh my Holy God. Shit, I love those. Or like when the yeah, brats yeah, the came out, that was that they just, they won. But yeah, it's like, it's like oh, the, yeah. the paint. I told, I said that I texted, I DM this to you, didn't I? I was like, it's like <laughs> the paint to the canvas of my life. Like that is what dressing up is to me. It's not that I'm trying to show off. It's not that I'm attempting to impress you. It is literally no. just how I express my mood for the day, how I set the tone for the day I want to have full stop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it just is what it is. No, and it's, Yeah. And that's like, if I like, let's say I have to run somewhere really quick and I don't have the time and like, I just throw something on in two minutes and I'm out the door. I don't feel like myself. Like, it's very strange. Like, I, it's not like, ooh, like, I don't look like my best. Like, no, it's not about that. Like, I just don't feel like me. Yeah. And like, I not like I base who I am off of the way I dress, but it is a big part of who I am. And I feel like that can definitely be perceived as really superficial. But again, it's, I don't care how people, like, I don't care if people like my outfit or if, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not about that. It's really, really the most personal thing. Like, I never dress for anyone and that's something that makes me really happy because I feel like the day I start dressing for people my style will really kind of oh, suck yeah. and like it'll I, just I, go down the drain like yeah like if you're dressing to please people you're really like you're not doing yourself you're doing yourself a disservice truly you know what's crazy is, is there's an arab saying that goes like this okay do you speak arabic yeah you speak hey I speak it goes arabic. like yeah. let me remember let me try to recall it correctly Uh, Okay. And this is a saying that I've never been able to understand. Like, what do you mean you eat to your taste, but you dress to other people's taste? Like, I understand that if you're applying it to like restriction, like cultural restrictions where you should be mindful of what you're wearing, you should, you know, be more modest. Mm -hmm. Or if you're on vacation, you can be like less modest. I don't know. Maybe it applies there, but it never, ever, ever made sense for me to dress to what people liked people are unfortunately very simple and don't take the time to feel good in what they have on most of most of the people don't and and that's something i'm going to make a generalization right now that's something that i observed in the period of time that i lived in an arab country is that a lot of arabs that i interacted with really 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 fucking cared about what people thought of what they wore or and that's like, why you get like just, bands of girls that look like you know they're about to hop on stage and sing together yeah yeah like they literally <laughs> look the same which uh, that's the thing if that's your thing more power to you if that's what makes you feel good great awesome do it do what fucking feels good but don't do it just 
because you're worried of creating controversy, 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 or like you're worried that maybe someone will think you're you worried look of weird. unsurety. <laughs> unsurety, yeah. If you're worried about unsurety, just but like I went to a private school when I went in Dubai, so I had to wear a school uniform every day, which honestly broke my heart every day. And I would try to find ways. Like I, I can't tell you how many times I got called to the principal's office for like wearing some weird shit. And like one of my favorite memories is I wore a Kurt Cobain hoodie to school and I got sent to the principal's office and my dad came in and defended me. And it was the greatest oh moment my God, of my that's fucking incredible. life. Yeah. Like my dad was like, like, cause I was wearing a Kurt Cobain hoodie that said on the back of it, like, don't rape, don't kill, like, don't be racist. Like just a lot of things. And my dad was like, you're mad at her for wearing a shirt that says like, don't rape, don't kill. Like, these are all great things that people should be reading. <laughs> and you know what? Like she's actually, you should be proud of her for wearing this. I was like, thanks Baba. Um, but yeah, I would wear Converse to school every day. And like, they were like my pride and joy cause they were so dirty. And like, to me, Converse need to be dirty. That's just a personal thing. I need them to be dirty. I need there to be random shit on it. Like I had green paint from like my art class. I had written song lyrics on them with a Sharpie and I would get made like made fun of all the time. Like all the time, like your shoes look like clown shoes. Like your shoes are so dirty. Oh my God, this girl only has one pair of oh shoes. My God. And like, if I was a different type of person, I would have fucking put those shoes away and never worn them again. But I like literally was like yeah you have terrible style i don't care about yeah, your opinion like, like, like you like like why do you think that your opinion matters to me and it like and then by like the time i graduated from high school all those fucking bitches were wearing converse and it's it's just like one of those things that like oh now it's socially acceptable so now we're all gonna do it but like if you do one thing that's out of the norm it's like what the fuck is Again, wrong with you? You know, it falls back into people needing to fit into an identity or a label or, or be mm -hmm. like a, a group. And don't get me wrong. I think, I think like community and progression as a group rather than an individual is something that we lack and is really important. But I think that it is a blessing that individuality exists. Like there's nothing like it. Like, I would die if I had to wear like, oh God, the uniform. That's what I call it. You know, jeans, yeah. white tee, and like, I don't know, a boot or a sneaker. I would a literally boot. die. Like, <laughs> I would. A goddamn like, It would kill me. Like, some days yeah. I want to look hard. Some days I want to look beautiful. Some days I want to look really pretty mm -hmm. and majestic and like, mm -hmm. Other days I want to just look like a big baby and, and some days I'm just too tired. So, you know, I've worked really hard to not have any like basic slash comfort things in my closet. So like I'll, I'll wear mm -hmm. like a big skirt and a t-shirt, but that's like as close to, to being chill, quote unquote, as, as I'm getting. Yeah. yeah. It just like <laughs> is what it is. This we need to do a whole separate episode called like Nora and Raya trying to be chill. Uh, I'm game. <laughs> yeah. Like just, just us trying, like, how can we be chill? Like, what is this relaxation oh my, that you speak of? I don't of? understand but, it. But one thing I just want to touch back on is like something that I've noticed and I love about you is that you never tag your brands. And that was another thing that I talked to Maria about. And we were just like, she was just like, yeah, like she works really hard to, to find her pieces. And I'm like, yo, I totally get it. Like when I started being a influencer, I started out being a blogger or whatever, right? 
it was hard for me, like genuinely hard for me. One of the things that stopped me from doing it, I knew I wanted to do it. I knew I wanted to share my personal style, but I didn't want to tell people where I found things. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and why did you start doing it? Well, I started doing it because I genuinely, and like, again, this is going to come off like I'm kind of a douche, right? I was like, I, I want Muslim girls to know that like they can, they can dress differently. Like it was really like, I want Muslim girls to know they could find dope shit at different places than they normally would think to go to. And don't get me wrong. I shop at those fucking basic stores sometimes. Like I love a good fucking H&M piece every now and then, but it's, I wanted to kind of put out a different I will, it was back like seven or eight years ago. Like it wasn't these Muslim influencers. It wasn't like a huge thing. And I wanted to kind of put this thing out that people could like look at and maybe not dress exactly like me, but like explore fashion a little bit more. It was more so like me trying to get people to be like, listen, like you don't need to dress like me, but like maybe step out of your comfort zone. Like maybe try to dress in a way that you would never think that you're going to dress. And I've done that so many times. I've experimented with my style. I've tried shit out and I'm like, yo, this isn't for me. I don't feel comfortable in this. This isn't for me, but I still feel like my style has improved in ways because of that trial and error. Like I've definitely made questionable choices, but I, it's not that I regret them. I think that they've helped mold my wardrobe. Absolutely. Making those you think I just dressed the same straight out my like mom's tummy? Hell no. I yeah. definitely had some yeah. rough patches and I had to go through the motions yeah. just yeah. like everyone else until I kind of found yeah. like my niche or I don't know if I still, I, I don't know if I fall into a niche again, a label. I don't know what kind of like yeah. person I am in fashion terms, you know, like I, I, every day is a different day. Every piece is a different piece. And to answer mm-hmm. your questions as like why I don't tag them, I don't tag them because nude, I spend hours looking yeah. for things that match an image in my head. Okay. So 100%. it literally starts with a visualization in my mind. And if I don't succeed at finding it, I will get it made. Again, I have a fashion degree, so I can make clothes. I can also direct tailors and seamstresses very clearly to develop something that I want. So my wardrobe consists of really, you know, simple pieces that I layer in like very weird ways. Um, there, it also holds like, like really dramatic pieces that are just them within themselves dramatic. Um, Mm -hmm. and it just takes me time and it takes a lot of my energy and my passion and my finances to, to attain these pieces. And in all honesty, like I dream of guiding people into their happy closet. And so I don't share the brands yeah. because I would hope that maybe if somebody's interested, I could one, I could personally monetize on it. Two, mm-hmm. it's mine. I don't want you to go out and buy one. And I also yeah. don't want you to know what kind of piece I have on. I, I'm not trying to show off what I'm wearing. It's yeah. not for the public. I do post a lot of my outfits on Instagram. I love Instagram. Um, I have a very positive mm-hmm. relationship with Instagram, but like, I don't do it to kind of show what I'm wearing or highlight what brand I have on or, or lack of brand that I have on. I do have to say yeah. that 
I no longer go into fast fashion stores or partake in shopping in them. So I don't go into Zara. I don't go into H&M, Forever 21, all these like fast fashion outlets, you know, and other stories. I, I don't do it anymore because I've realized that in this like adulthood, I'm trying to become a more I don't know what the word is because I don't want to say sustainable because I'm not sustainable. I still sometimes shop on impulse and it it, it is. You want to buy forever pieces. I I have a little, you you know, I have a little questionnaire that I literally open every time I want to buy things and I answer the questions. Oh my God. Um, Okay. I I want to know what your questions are. I asked myself a question, but it's, but it's only question that's i only ask myself one question when i buy things but you have a fucking questionnaire oh my god you are literally my queen Wait. right now what i need to know <laughs> oh my god are you really gonna make me say it out loud it's so embarrassing I mean, if you want to if you want to you don't have to if you if anything i will i'm i'm gonna share what my okay. thing is my thing is i ask myself am i gonna like do i like I guess it is kind of a questionnaire. Fuck. It's like, do I really love this? Like, am I going to be thinking about this a week from now, a month from now, six months from now? Like, am I really still going to be thinking about this piece? Does it fit into my wardrobe? Or like, do I have to like have a whole new wardrobe to make this piece work? Like, those are the questions. But like the number one, I would say the main question is, is like, do I really fucking, do I really love this? Like, do I, am I indifferent about it? And the thing is, is as soon as I feel indifferent about a piece, that to me is the cue I don't want it. Like, I don't actually want it. Like the other day I was shopping and there was a piece and I, I liked it and I tried it on and I thought that it looked nice and I liked the shape of it. But like, I was walking around the store and I was holding it and I didn't know whether to buy it or not. And I was like, this, this just to me tells me I don't, I don't want this. And I put it back and I don't fucking care. And like, that's the thing that I know that I didn't need that piece or want that piece in my wardrobe. Okay. So that's kind of like similar to what I do. I'm going to give you a gist of what my questions are. So it always starts, and this is for an advanced collector of clothing. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) Um, I always start by thinking that, is there a piece that I would remove from my current closet to replace with the piece that I have in hand? That's the first question. And then the second question is, is this piece going to make it for me to give it to my daughter? who doesn't exist still. Uh, This is a question I ask myself frequently. When is my daughter going to inherit these bags and choose from me? Who can say? Who can say? With bags, it's very, very sensitive. So with bags, I'll take my time. I'll put it Mm -hmm. on hold for a night and I'll try to think of at least 10 outfits that I would pair it with. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is kind of like what I do. I also really look at the construction of a piece. Um, I always, always look at the construction of a piece. I'm crazy. Um, And if it's like a skirt, I'll try. Because I have my wardrobe like memorized by heart. So I'll try to at least Mm -hmm. make like five outfits like immediately. Yep. The only time I allow myself to walk out with the piece immediately, like okay, I try it on. I didn't think about it before. I didn't see it online. I didn't try to fit it into my closet before venturing out on this shopping spree is when I don't want to take it off. And I usually will walk out of the store Mm -hmm. with it on. 
I, I totally get that because again, I think this comes back to like my weird, like list making controlling. I like, if I, there's a piece I want, I need to look at it online. I need to look at it on multiple websites. I need to look at multiple angles of it. I need to look at it at the store. I need to put it on. I need to like evaluate the yeah. piece before committing to it and like kind of research it a little yeah. bit too. Cause I'm like, okay, what, what, what materials were used? Where was this made? Like, how do I have I, to clean I, it? How do how- I care for it? Because yeah. Yeah. I really yeah. take care of my things. And also one big question Nude, is, can I actually afford it? Because I, now I find myself being oh, yeah. drawn to pieces that are just like, you know, not necessarily within a budget per item. Um, and so like, (laughs) so like that's all becoming an adult who loves fashion. Isn't it a fun time? Yeah. So like, that's kind of what I, what I always ask. And, and I think the most valuable question in my questionnaire is what I would remove from my wardrobe to replace this piece with, Yeah, because that I've never considered that like ever. And I definitely want to try to do that. Yeah. Because it, it, it's going to be difficult. You know, you're going to find that you don't want a lot of the pieces that you think you want. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you already have many pieces that you love in your wardrobe. Another thing that I learned from a friend, um, was I was talking to her about my closet and I was like, I feel a little bored of my closet, which scares me because that means that I might be spending a little too much money coming up and I'm traveling. And she was like, listen, this is what I do. She was like, I actually put away half of my closet for a while and every six months I'll flip my closet around. And this is, this is an incredible woman that runs a sustainable brand. And, um, I took her advice and, and that the next day I went home and I chose to remove pieces that I loved, pieces that I was wearing a lot and put them away for six months. And in a month I'll be taking them out again and, and we'll see how I feel about that switch. And it's actually minimized my purchasing and it's actually maximized my creativity with my clothes. So it was such a fun thing to do. that what's in, what's so amazing about that is like that's something that I implemented probably I would say like two years ago where I have my main wardrobe that like there's a door to get inside of okay. it, right? I pull pieces out periodically and put them on a clothing rack. And when I get dressed, my clothing rack is my wardrobe. And then I rotate them. So I take things off the clothing rack. I put them into my main wardrobe. The door is shut. I don't look at them. And then I take things out. And because I'm a visual person. You mentioned you were visual. Like I'm, I'm a very visual person. And I have my clothing rack in my room. And it's kind of, I can see it from my bed. And sometimes when I'm falling asleep at night, I literally just look at the pieces on the clothing rack and I start building outfits. Like just start looking at them and building outfits and, and maybe start noticing, oh, like I think I need more of a piece like like this to make these pieces work a little bit better. But the great thing about is when you have things out of sight, you really do kind of fucking forget about them. So when you bring them back out, there's a feeling of like newness to it. And like, Just I feel like it helps joy. me be more creative. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh my God, I forgot that I had this. I love this. Like, oh my God. I like, and it's just so exciting for me. And you know, I, I do still do a lot of closet clear outs. And I was thinking about that recently. I was like, does that mean I'm buying too much stuff? But I realized that most of the clothes that I clear out of my closet, it are pieces that brands have sent me, not pieces that I've mm. selected. And so that's why I, st- I feel okay about it. Cause I'm like, I, I was telling my sister the other, I'm like, Oh, I really need to clear my closet. And I was like, why do I need to clear my closet? But it's always pieces that were just sent to me and I didn't pick them out. And I'm like, I, this is why, like, I, I don't like when a brand just sends me shit. Like I want to be able to pick it out because more often than not, like, I just don't like it. Mark. Like I just genuinely, yeah. 
Yeah, they missed the mark. They kind of had an idea of what they thought that I would like, but I'm like, I don't fucking like this. Like, I can see why someone might think that I like it, but I don't like it. Um, and those are the pieces that I'm constantly getting rid of. And the pieces that I pick out because I feel like I put so much effort into it. Like, I don't, I rarely make impulsive purchases. And when I do sometimes, because if I'm having a bad day, there is a chance if I'm by something, by a store that has clothing, I'm going to fucking yep. buy something. Okay. I know the feeling. And I, and those are the pieces that I never wear. Those are the pieces that I regret. Those are the pieces that just sit there collecting dust. And eventually I'm going to put them on eBay. Like that's literally what ends up happening. Well, at least you're contributing uh, to like the secondhand market of, of, um, of fashion, which is another sustainable approach yeah. to the fashion industry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and another thing that like, I, I love that, but like, I, I, as much as I like to share where my, I've grown to love sharing where I found pieces because I feel like it makes people happy and that makes me happy. But it also, I think when I get dressed now, I like to put in a piece that I thrifted or is vintage. And that's something that I feel like helps me stay balanced in a way because I'm like, I have this, no one else probably yeah. has this, you know yeah, what I mean? And I, yeah. And so that's why, like, I feel like vintage is something that I think more people are definitely getting into, but I also think that it is more sustainable. And also it is a great way to find pieces Unique that are and only special. yours. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's crazy yeah. is I, I actually, so I don't thrift a lot. I started attempting to thrift now that my size is so much smaller, um, in hopes of finding mm -hmm. interesting things. But I find that I struggle with the materials that are used in like older clothes. Um, but yes. what I do is I, so here's a big secret. I incorporate like just raw <laughs> fabric a lot of the time and yeah. Really? And, um, I mean, it takes skill. The best thing I, I did or like the thing that I was really, really good at at school in fashion school was draping. So I can literally make a rectangle look like the chicest gown ever. Like the most popular wedding outfit I ever put on was literally a stretch silk piece of oh material. God. And, um, that's amazing. I think that's how I find myself like making my, my things more unique to me where I, I I'll use things that I either like privately got made for myself or just raw material. Um, and it's very exciting to me. Like there's nothing more exciting than knowing that I'm just wearing a rectangle, but it doesn't look like that to anyone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's another thing that I've noticed. I can go buy whatever designer piece and like, yeah, sometimes it feels good, but the, the pieces or the outfits that I wear that always make me feel the best are outfits that I have in some way, shape or form, maybe not to the degree of draping fabric because, you know, I'm, I'm not as skilled as you, but like literally like if I just tweak an outfit or use something that's meant to be worn one way in another way, it makes it so much yeah, more exciting for it, me. Like I mix or yeah, breaks it's it. like just unconventional yeah. things. Yeah. And when I, it's so funny because when I was a little kid, I used to, um, like when I was probably like seven, I would go through my mom's hijab collections and she, she likes to wear those square scarves that are like that. I don't even know what the fabric is. It's not silk. It's, but it's like kind of like a silky fabric and I would fucking make skirts it's probably a silk and twill. like drip. 
Yeah. And I would literally just like have so much fun dressing up with her scarves and like literally just put yeah. together outfits. And my sister and I would put on little fashion shows and it was the most fun. Like that was my favorite game was like, let's go use mama's scarves and go put together outfits and make a fashion show in mom's closet. Um, but also like, I feel like one of the great things about when I lived overseas is that tailors are so accessible and they're not as expensive and you can find a really skilled tailor because when I lived in Dubai and when I lived in Malaysia, I would find fabric. I would go fabric shopping and get things custom made. And sometimes they were a fucking bust and they just did not turn out in any way because I didn't do a good enough job explaining how I wanted it. But sometimes like they, like the ability to just go pick a fabric and like make it into whatever you want is also just it's really fun. Yeah, it's amazing. I know this feeling of like going to a tailor and having a complete bust. There is nothing more disappointing in the world. I know. In the world. I know. Um, but, but, you know, take the time to find a good one and, and you'll appreciate it, mm-hmm. I think. Um, oh, yeah. I found a good tailor that lives around me and I like don't tell yeah, a lot you of shouldn't. people. <laughs> I'm really about not like, sharing too mine. much, you know, thus the no tagging. Yeah. It- yeah, the no tagging, like, like literally this, like, and that's something about your style that I think makes it special for a lot of reasons. But also, like, I can't look at what you're wearing and be like, oh, I know where that's from because I can do that all the time. Like, I could scroll through Instagram, not tap on the photo, and I know where the fuck these people bought these pieces because they're the silhouette is recognizable. I'm like, oh yeah, that's realization part, or like, yeah, that's this, that's that. Like, you can tell. Like, I can spot Zara from a mile away. Like, you just know when a piece is from goddamn Zara. But another thing about your style that I really do love is that you layer so effortlessly. And like layering in itself is such an art because so much goes into it. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to put this on top of this and it's going to work. Like you, there, like you have to think about the fabrics and the fit and like so much goes into it and you do it in a way that looks just like, oh yeah, I threw this on, which I'm sure you put thought and effort into it, but like, it looks so effortless and I love it. That's the biggest compliment anyone has given me. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm so glad I could do that for you. But like, yeah, like I... Have like, did you just get in? Like, when did you get into this like layered look? Because I feel like that's kind of like, I feel like more of your signature, that's your kind of signature thing is like you layer beautifully. When did I get into layering? I feel like I've been layering since forever. And um, yeah, I figured like this doesn't look like a new developed thing. This looks like something that was fine tuned. There's something that, you know, what inspires me the most nude is like a lot of hijabi fashion inspires a lot of my layering. So like, yeah, yeah, like modest dress is actually so beautiful to me. Like I love it, but also like pulling from like the history of fashion and understanding how erogenous zones were like a really big thing in fashion and pulling, like playing on the duality of like erogenous zones and modesty. Like that is, that is to Mm -hmm. me, that is the most fun thing. Like, and yeah, I don't know when I started layering. I just, I like highlighting my waist. I have one. I, I'm mm-hmm. thankful for having one, you know, throughout all of my like weight fluctuations. And, and I think that helps a lot with the layering, but I don't know. It's again, it's like I'm playing. It's like I'm painting. It's like putting a color on top of another. It's like mixing a new color by, yeah. by just materials and, and mm-hmm. objects and things and it- garments. Like I, like, 
was scrolling on your Instagram feed earlier today. And like, I was just looking at all the silhouettes you kind of create. And like, there was one look where you like had like a bustier, like over like a shirt. And I was just like, that's so beautiful. Like, and it's rare to me that I look at an outfit on Instagram, unless it's like on some, you know, fashion thing, but like just looking at people outfits where I think like that's a beautiful outfit and I there is a very artistic element to the way that you dress which definitely makes sense because you know you you are in you are so immersed in art um but I really like I love it I want you to dress me up and oh my like, God, I that's not something to. that I ever say to anyone like I never tell anyone like oh pick out my outfit that actually sounds like a goddamn nightmare but I would love to have you pick out like an outfit for me because just the way like I just I don't know I feel like it would help me grow in the way that I dress. You know what I mean? Just like, there is, it would be nothing. A, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but there's nothing I love more no, than like it. delving into somebody's like beautiful wardrobe and it, making my own outfit out of it. Like literally nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. And no, and like, and like, that's how it, whenever I go to Maria's house, this weird thing happens. Like I'll pack so much shit that I love. Right. And then I'll go into her wardrobe and I'll just have so much fun playing with it. I'm like, Oh, by the way, I'm wearing this. Oh, by the way, I'm taking this. And like, it's fun to play with other people. It's when other people have a well curated wardrobe, it's really fucking yeah. fun. Like, just really fun. And like, yeah, like I was texting her the other day and I was like, I sent her a picture of all my shoes. I'm like, which ones do you want me to bring? Like which, which ones? Cause we would end up switching shit. And it's really handy though, that we're the same shoe size and like the same size in most things. That's, That's very perfect. handy for me. That's perfect for both but of you. Like, I'm jealous of both of you. Yeah. It's really fun. Like, but like, it's, it's like kind of like, I feel like I step out of my comfort zone again. Like it comes to that, like, mm, I maybe wouldn't have picked this out, but I love here it. We are. You know what exactly. I mean? And like, yeah, but, and how am I like, what am I going to do with it? And it's, it's exciting and it's fun. And, and like, that's why, like when it comes to makeup, like I, I like doing my makeup, but I tend to rush through it because I'm excited to pick out my outfit. And that to me, I want to give all of my energy to that. Like sometimes I will play with my makeup, but for the most part, I like to keep it simple and quick because I want the biggest portion of my getting ready time to just be me in my like wardrobe. And luckily I don't have to do my hair. Thank God. God only knows what that would be like, but um, you do have to do your job though, which you do beautifully, by the way. Thank you. I, I won't lie though. It takes me two seconds. I literally just put it on and like, we'll throw it over my shoulder or throw both pieces over my shoulder. And it's so interesting. So for a long time, I don't know if you know, you might not know this because we, you know, kind of were introduced to each or met each other recently, but I wore just black hijabs for like a decade or like over a decade. Really? Like I literally only wore black hijabs. Like it, people were concerned for me. My mom was annoyed about it. Like my mom would tell me like, I wish you just wouldn't wear a hijab. Like, why do you only wear black? Like, wh- why can't you wear colors? And I... I really liked it. It was, it wasn't just like a comfort zone thing. It was like, that's what I liked. I just liked having a, yeah, it was kind of my signature. And I was a little scared to start wearing color, but now that I've started wearing different colors, like I kind of can't stop. Like I literally can't stop. Like even if the outfit calls for a black hijab, like I'll kind of force it to go with a colored hijab because I'm having so much fun with it. And I think that, it's just one of those things where like it's it was such a drastic change in my wardrobe because it was literally my signature to wear all black but i'm so happy that i have because it's really 
again, I'm taking old pieces and I'm wearing them in new ways because now, now I you can. Have a new accessory because to play now, with. exactly. And I, I think that I never viewed the, and the hijab as an accessory, which is another reason why I think I always wear a black hijab because to me, it didn't feel like an accessory. To me, it just felt like it's a hijab. Whoa, you know what I what mean? Like in the, the most hijab? literal, like now I'm so curious. Like to me, yeah, well, actually, okay, to, to make it correct, hijab is not just a scarf that you wear on your head. Hijab is like a whole thing, like your behavior, the way you dress entirely. But just to simplify things, like to me, it was like I chose to do this thing, which is to cover myself and to cover my hair. And it to me was just a hair covering. It was never an accessory. And I think I was really limiting myself when I was doing that. And it wasn't like I was doing it subconsciously I didn't realize that I was doing it but like I really was limiting myself because I simply did not view it as a part of the outfit it was like just like a part of like like my arm it was like like you're you're like piety yeah yeah like literally and like I'm not joking like to me it was just another appendage like it wasn't in any way anything to do with my style or fashion and I never consciously made that decision it's just something that happened and like, you know, now that I've stepped out of that, I really have been wanting to try different styles and draping my scarf in different ways because it's not that now I view it as, as an accessory, but I think that now I realize it can also be now, an accessory. Yeah. It doesn't just have to be this. You've allowed yeah, your, it doesn't have to just yeah, be you've this. Allowed, sorry, if I interrupted you again. No, you've allowed yourself to play with this thing that you restricted yourself from playing from for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even realize it. I literally didn't even realize that I was doing it. And I, I also think there is a little part of me that is stubborn. And the more people told me to not wear a black hijab, I wanted to wear only a black hijab. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm, I can be petty sometimes and my mom really hated it. Um, but you know, I, I think that it's something that when you make a change like that, it really opens up the way you dress. And it's, I feel like I reinvigorated and I feel like more excited. And I, I'll always kind of be happy about that time in my life where I wore just black because it did feel like my signature look. Um, but you know, there's a lot of things that were a part of my signature look also that I had to let go, like smoking cigarettes. That was a part of my identity. Like, I'm not even going to lie. Like smoking cigarettes was definitely like people associated me with a black hijab and a cigarette in my hand for like years and letting go of that. Wasn't just like, Oh, I'm quitting smoking. Like it was kind of letting go a little bit of like the past me. And that's kind of how I'm starting to feel about the black scarf is like, I'm kind of letting go of this little piece of me. I'm not mad about it, but I'm like moving forward now. I completely, like I completely understand with this, this, description of letting go of yeah. your cigarette um yeah. yeah and this like letting go of people, your past yeah. self uh, yeah mm-hmm. because I was always like big regal Raya and that's how I saw myself and I had to let go of all this like added weight that was really bothering me and it was really hard mm-hmm. and it was I was sharing it on on Instagram also like talking about how I felt like looking at myself and not seeing what was and seeing like a big change that you can also feel when you leave a cigarette or change your hijab. So like, I completely get that, but then it feels incredible. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's the thing. It feels incredible. Like, and 
And it's, and it's so interesting because it's not like I'm like, oh, I hated that time of my life. Absolutely not. I didn't. But it's just like it got to a point where I realized I need to make yeah. a change. And it, it's for my – it's in my best interest to make these changes. And because I'm a planner, like I've, I planned – like when I quit smoking, I had a date. Like I literally picked that's, a date out. And like – That's how you succeed, I just, you know? It's picking a date. Yeah, and I stuck yeah. to it. Yeah. And I just like literally, and, and with the hijab, it didn't happen that way. It was just one time I was getting dressed for a wedding actually. And I I wore it with a, I tried the outfit on with a black scarf. It didn't look right. It just didn't look right. And I was like, I really want to wear this. Am I really going to limit myself? And that's when I started clicking. I was like, I would not wear certain outfits because I couldn't wear it with a black hijab. So which is limiting. Exactly. Like I literally would stop myself from wearing, th- I would put together an outfit. And then as soon as I put on the scarf, I'm like, yo, this doesn't look right. I need to change an accessory or I need to, you know, change my bottoms or something to make this scarf work. And it was really limiting. And I didn't realize that I was doing that. And like, I li- I put on a scarf, I FaceTimed my sister and I was like, how does this look? And she was like, oh my God, that looks so good. Like, I love the way that looks so much. And I really value my sister's opinions because they are very honest. Maybe they don't know about fashion in a way that I would prefer them to, but I still feel like they're brutally honest with me and they have an idea of what my style is more than most people. So she was like, I love it. And it was so crazy. Like I felt naked. Like literally, like I literally felt naked. It was the strangest thing ever. But like now I'm kind of like, I love this. Like I want to just do different shit with my scarf all the time. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I'm so, I'm like so happy that happened for you. Honestly, <laughs> because I understand. Yes. Like I completely understand. Yeah. Like I, I do also feel like this is... So I've been having so much fun chatting with you because I'm literally just realizing like, wow, this girl gets it. Like she really, or like, at least you get me and I'm like, like, that's, it's always nice when you see each other. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's really, it's really, again, tying back to the people want to identify or find community. What I like about this is that I've realized that we're, we're so similar in a lot of ways, but we're also so different in a lot of ways. But like, I feel like those that's what makes a community and that's what like creates like a bond is like these similarities, but also like the differences and like allowing yourself to explore those differences and like allowing yourself to open your mind to like absorbing new things or not even absorbing, just maybe hearing about them or learning about them. And it, it enriches you and it makes you a better version of yourself. Absolutely, I really think that you can find community amongst many different people. And that's what just like makes the world a great place. Like we literally just met a couple of days ago and look at us chatting for like, yeah. I don't know, an hour and 20 minutes now. And I could probably go for yeah. another hour, like, and be just as entertained as, as I have been. Like it's, it's great. I've, yeah. I feel the same way. That's the thing. I feel exactly the same way, but, um, I do want to wrap up only because Raya has a schedule as we mentioned. <laughs> And I don't want to infringe on said schedule, but where can people find you online? Like where, what, what do you want to plug? Whatever you want. I don't know. You can find me on my Instagram. R-A-A-Y-Y-A. Raya. Yeah. Super simple. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. this has been um, great. Nude. Thank you. Thank you. This is like, honestly, so much fun. I can't wait to release this episode. Like, I feel like people are really going to love it because I mean, I love it. So I automatically assume everyone else is going to love it. Like if I love it, you're going to fucking love it too. Um, 
Yeah, that's it. like th- this is what a dictatorship. My <laughs> podcast, like you're gonna fucking like this. Okay, you have no say in it. Um, but yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram at Nor E, and I will talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.